I had a trait. Oh, there's my voice. Yep. And then I go, would do go hair. more. Go more. Here? Oh, yeah. That's Be- really close. Because it's, well, you don't have to pull it. Just, just like that. No, no, it's kidding. There you go. Do you know I had a radio show? You did? In college. I you did. didn't put that on your intake form. I, that intake form, um, I will be truthful yeah. that my husband and I filled out together drunk in a Delta lounge. Yeah. And not a lot of thought went into it. Okay. Well, you know, that 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 would have been a... I'm glad you're telling okay, me this. Well, now you know. When was this? In college on Tuesday nights, a weekly. So you should be like, this should be... 92.3, a- <laughs> the Berg. <laughs> this should be right at it home. It wasn't a well listened to, I doubt. You, but it was fun. But you, this should be right at home for you. I liked it. So when you were... Do you remember like how you would announce... Uh, kind of. So, I also was the anchor of the high school news, Gary. That doesn't surprise me. Look at you. WKHS coming at you live. <laughs> so so t- do do the, like, what what was your startup for the radio, if you I'm can remember? i to remember. I, I know my show W-N-B-C. was called, it was 92.3, The Berg. But I know that it was called Anything Can Happen on a Tuesday night. And it was at 11 o'clock on Tuesdays, which I picked purposefully because that was like the one night I probably wasn't out it was like a Tuesday night I can do a radio show right and I did and Kevin Luce was my co-host and actually I do remember our intro song was um Boys of Summer do you know how I love that song I, I love that song too it's so good it is Megan Troy Welcome to the Carrie Croft Show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Now that I know you're a seasoned vet, I'm even that yeah, much more. Right? I'm revved up. Got a face for radio. I am. Re- no, you don't. Actually, I'm thinking you have a voice for radio and a face for TV. Just, you, you just yeah. So let's talk about how we met. Yes. I remember how we met. I, I, we hi- We were we were talking okay. about hiring you. I do remember that. I remember being the back of SOS Clintonville. Yeah. There was a room, like an office back yeah. there. You and Gretchen. Yep. And we were talking about PR. So I don't remember who connected me with your company. I don't either. But I will tell you, you made an impression because okay. I was trying to hire you a f- multiple times. I think there was a couple go rounds. There was. And then, you know, of course, our budget was always like, uh-huh. uh, uh, I you know. know. And I just remember really liking your style. I loved your business model. And I, yep. I fully believe in this, okay. that this, this old way of doing marketing where you have these crazy big buildings and all these expenses and then you know people small businesses like me Mm -hmm. can't afford or they think they can't afford they're like well how are we going to do marketing well well now you have people who work remote totally and you don't have to pay all that stuff people get that now 12 years ago when i started this thing people did not get that they were like virtual you don't have an office how does that work well you were like doing covid before covid covid in 2010 yeah 10 years before good for you but yes we lied our way through a lot of that not having an office and being all over the country that really scared people at first and then we kind of made it our thing and that was our value proposition for a while like we can tap talent from all over the country we're not confined you know by a city or by a building and then covid hit and we're like shit we got to come up with a new value proposition well you're like and told you <laughs> Told you, yes. Told you so. Absolutely. So your marketing PR firm. PR. Okay, PR yep. is called Approach. Approach. And what I like, too, is you give like a, a guarantee. We do give a guarantee. Which I've always remembered that. I love that that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. You know, we revisit that all the time and we're like, I don't think you should get rid of working? that. I think so. Because yeah. if I, th- that was one of the things where I'm like, she's quantifying and she's that confident yeah. in her relationships and her experience. Totally. 
and it it kind of it, it colors things in. Whereas I don't yes. remember. I'm not, I don't even remember any other companies we talked to. So do Here better is out there. What I like about it is PR in general is difficult to measure. I think oftentimes what we're doing are events, stunts, crisis communication, reputation management, credibility campaigns. It's not like we're, you know, driving people to, you know, buy more burgers in a lot of cases. You know, we're, we're PR, we're communications, we're top of funnel. And so that can be very, very difficult to measure. And I think I was sick and tired of seeing, you know, people say, well, we're not buying media. We're not buying an ad. So I can't tell you exactly what you're going to get. We're like, that's kind of BS. We'll say up front, okay, we're going to do X. We're going to get a certain number of stories. We're going to drive a certain amount of traffic to your website. You know, we're going to, you know, work with influencers who are going to kick this much business over to your, your sale. And there are metrics that you can measure. There's a lot of uh, bets that we can place that are pretty safe. And so that's why we do that. We say, you know what, we can measure this. Let's just promise it up front. Yeah. Do you, per per company, you say, okay, this is what we're looking at. And so yep. these are the metrics we feel comfortable with. Yep. And you pull out of just the exact. In our first 30 days, we put together a scorecard. And we say, ultimately, what are we trying to do as a business? Because I hate when PR gets like put in this lane. And we say, what are the business goals? What are we trying to accomplish overall? Let's marry comm strategy up to that. And then in our first 30 days, we build a scorecard, customized to the client. We put KPIs in it, and we guarantee that we meet them. And if or you do we don't. work for free until we do. Oh, man. Good for you. You know? You had some hungry days. We don't really have to cash in on that. Probably we're, no, not. We're good at what we do. You are. You, I, but, you know, you never know. Like, maybe there's one KPI where you're like, well, this one's not, this one's not going too well. Whose <laughs> idea was what, this? <laughs> it gives us an opportunity, if we are off track, to then talk to our clients yeah. and say, we're not tracking here. Something's not working. So we either need to pivot strategy. We're going after the wrong media. We don't have the right influencer partners here. Something's off. So let's tweak it now. So, yes, it holds us accountable. It holds our feet to the fire. And our clients really like that, right? Because we're reporting on this every single month. But really, it's just our way of tricking the client into mm -hmm. talking to us up front about yeah. what success looks like. Because the worst case scenario is the agency is like, you're like, we are kicking ass. Like, we're hitting every, like, this is successful. This is working. And then we get to the end of the relationship and they're like, we really thought we wanted X. And it's totally different. So it just, it gets us all on the same page. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so there have to be, being in PR and like, you know, handling crises. Yes. And and so in your, in that brain of yours, mm -hmm. and I'm not even saying you have to pull out like a crisis. Okay. But what have been, whether it's like celeb, like what can yep. you share with my voyeur mind it. everyone likes the crisis stories and it's the one thing i really can't talk about right. because again you're coming into cleanup mm -hmm. and that is a lot of what we do in an ideal world we're doing crisis preparedness the boring <laughs> part of crisis comes um where we're trying to set a plan so if something happens we know exactly what to do the team has worked the methodology they know who to call we have messaging written but more often than not, we're, we're cleaned in, called in for crisis mitigation where it's just clean up. And it is my favorite work we do. And most people hate crisis. But I don't know. I feel like I have this thing in my brain where under very high pressure situations, I don't feel it. Like I look back at some of the hardest times in my life. And in the moment, I didn't know that I was in deep shit. But afterwards, I reflect on that and I'm like, Oh, that was bad. That was really bad. And I think it makes me good at crisis because I'm sitting there and I can maybe be the level set, 
the calm in the room. And that's why you're bringing in the agency, right? Oftentimes these people are at the lowest moment in their life. They've lost their job or they're about to be canceled (laughs) or they made a mistake, which we all do. And they need help because they're under public scrutiny and they're, you know, in the public eye. And it happens with individuals and it happens with executives and it happens with brands overall. A brand makes a misstep and they put something on social media or an employee goes rogue and someone needs to be there to help them through what comes next. Man, you guys are probably having a heyday with this cancel culture. It is. It's a lot. So if I were you and I would see a situation like Kanye. Yeah. Do you sit and analyze that and, and you're like, okay, here's what here's what they're probably do doing think, or here's what I would do? Or- I do think about that a lot. I also am very critical. So if I see someone in a tough spot and they handle it poorly, especially someone like Kanye who has every resource in the entire world to handle the best in class crisis teams and doesn't, I am pretty judgy. Well, you're like, okay, he's out to re- <laughs> He's out to pasture. Just doesn't care. <laughs> Just does not care at all. I mean, um, there's zero fucks to give there. Zero fucks to give. Right. But um, it's interesting work and it's really rewarding because I'll tell you what, when you get through it, client, client service is tough, right? Like you're always under scrutiny. You're always under the microscope about are you delivering enough ROI? Did we do enough? Did we deliver on every promise that we made? But with so clients can feel hard, right? It feels sometimes thankless in crisis work and if you can get someone through the other side they're with you for life I mean I have people write thank you never have clients write a thank you note and like they'll pay their invoice with a thank you note and that is the rewarding stuff for me is to be like that was tough they were in a tough spot but we got them through so I like it the celebrity stuff I do have more interesting stories but Let's have um, it. The crisis work. Give me so, one. Give me a. Give me a. Give me something. I have a lot of like, especially younger, my younger days, because I worked. I was a big agency, so there's big budgets. So you're working more with celebrities. Um, lots of like late nights and drugs and clean up there. But my most memorable celebrity story is actually uh, with Sierra. We were working on uh, McDonald's campaign, and we decided it was right when Sierra was like. Early part of her career, kind of making it big, we're going to put her in a drive-through and not tell people. Like she was just going to be like serving. I think it was a McSkillet or a some new McDonald's breakfast sandwich, and she had just had a baby, and so she comes, and we're in the Rock and Roll McDonald's in Chicago, and she forgot her breast pump, and needed. She didn't have the baby with her, so she needed to pump. And I was like the lowest man on the totem pole. I was like 22. I didn't even know what a breast pump was. <laughs> and they were like, Megan, um, we need, we, Sierra needs a breast pump and she needs it in like the next 20 minutes. And you're downtown. You're not like by a baby's R Us or a Target. And so I was literally sweating in high heels and like a, a business dress because that's what we wore back in the day. I'm sure Sierra was like, who is this? And I was sprinting down LaSalle trying to find a breast pump and I came back with like a um <laughs> you, do you remember like um the non-electric handheld and she was like pissed nice and she um wasn't thrilled with my breast pump search this reminds me of the time 
that I milked my friend in the porta potty <laughs> at the Ohio State tailgate. We've, we've all been in desperate situations. <laughs> Molly Barrington, if you're out there, you're welcome. With children. Gosh, that's the worst. <laughs> I mean, having kids, it's just. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, some, not, it's something, it's not right? It's right what happens to your body. It's not fair. Speaking of having kids. Yes. So how many do you have? I have three. You have three kids. Let's talk mm -hmm. about these babes and, and how they've rocked your world. They have. Ages uh, and names. Anna is 11. Tommy is seven. James is five. So like we're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. What's your hubby's name? Brent. Brent. Yes. Hi, Brent. Hi, Brent. I hope you're having fun in New Orleans. <gasps> I don't sense any. I don't sense anything there, Brent. Don't worry about it. Have a blast. <laughs> so much fun this weekend. I got it. Hey, get all the necklaces, you big dick. Someone was like, "Is it Mardi Gras?" I'm like, "It better not be." <laughs> Is it that Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> he is in New Orleans with his brother right now. They're probably not. They're probably having zero fun. Zero. Let's and be I'm honest. And I'm doing dry January. So am I. Oh. How's yeah. it going for hey you? Girl, I'm hey, girl. Hey, I'm, 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 I was up at 4 a.m. this morning. You're just ready to I rock. I was ready to rock. I'm like, who wants to party? Totally. <laughs> who wants to party? You're in like that euphoria stage yeah. of dry January now where you're just like, God. Yeah. This could crush us. Well, someone on my team told me, actually, I was in Chicago. We were taking clients out for drinks, and I was like ordering a mocktail. And she was like, oh, dry January is only for old people. Wah, wah. And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, like we're sober curious all the time. Oh, good for you. Yeah, like just okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, so before I go, I, I have some more questions yes. about the family life. But yeah. I want to go back to something that you said a moment okay. ago when you said that when things get super icky or yes. high pressure that Stressful. you kind of whether it's zone out or not, you're able yeah. to sort of be a calm in the storm and you said some of the hardest times in my life. Yes. So what is in your life if you had to say the hardest thing that you've had to deal with? That's a tough question. I feel like there's been different really, like there's been hard situations at home. There's been hard situations in my marriage. There's been certainly hard situations at work. So it's hard to like stack rank those because I feel like they're different. Let's go for one. Just pick one right out of the hat. I mean, I would say COVID was really, really hard to own a business. We are outsourced to marketing. Think about when the world shut down. I have a team of 30-some people. Within a week, 76% of our clients had put their contracts on hold. I feel like there was a moment that week, that March 13th, 14th, 15th, where I was like, this is it. I've built the ship to wreck. There, how do we get through this? And I do remember it was a Friday afternoon, and I had back-to-back one-on-ones with every single person on my team to be like, we don't have work right now. And like in that moment, especially after building a business, and you know, at that point for 10 years, I was, that was a low for me personally, mainly because I have such accountability to my team. This is their livelihood. And when you're in that situation where you're telling someone they don't have a job, that is, I don't think that ever gets easy. I don't care if you're George Clooney and whatever that movie was where he just like flew around the country and fired people. It is the absolute worst feeling in the entire world to get on the phone or get in front of someone and tell them uh, that they no longer, longer have a job. That is comes to mind as a, a low, certainly. And the most scary, because it's unprecedented. 
we unprecedented. I, who would have thought? We were. Who knew? I would never have seen that come. We were going into that year. I remember making big proclamations. I was like, "2020 <laughs> is our year," and then it's like March. Oh, and it's your whoosh. year, all right. It was that was a crazy time. I can remember Gretchen calling me and saying something like, "Yeah, um, my brother-in-law or somebody told me this might last two weeks." And I laughed. I go, <laughs> "I'm like, okay, like this isn't gonna last two. No one." No, it one. was like a movie and like the fear, crazy, the fear of going. I, I will never forget going in the grocery yeah. and having literally the feeling like the blood was leaving. Like my entire, it was like the apocalypse. Like totally. every, it was not okay. Nothing was no. okay. And no. then you look and you have a marriage and, yes. and you have bills and you have kids and you're a work, very much a working mom. Yes. Very right. Much. How did that impact the home life? I mean, it was just a shit show. I feel like, especially at first. Now, I am lucky enough. We have a full-time nanny. Had same, same wonderful, amazing person for seven years. And she stuck with us in COVID, which was our only saving grace. Because those were some of the most intense seasons of my work life consecutively. And my husband was right there with me. I mean, he works in big consulting. And it's funny that you said, like, we did not see this coming. He kept being like, it's getting crazy in Europe. Like, it's real. He's like, I think this is coming for us. And I was, I laughed. I was such an idiot about it, honestly. I was like, I, I don't know. I think it's a week. Stay at home. Kids will be back in school in a week. I actually was complaining that like the schools were being too. I think you're probably not the only one. So it it was tough. And I would say it it was trial by fire. And there was a lot of nights where I walked in the house and poured myself a very stiff drink <laughs> at three or four o'clock because oh, yeah. it was just like what are we doing what are we doing we did end up ultimately kind of quarantining with our neighbors which was a saving grace and we weren't even that close with them going into covid but by proximity i worked out with the mom and so we were running together anyway outside is I'm this leslie her. It's Leslie. Mm -hmm. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Um, and so we were working out and we were like coming home from a run one day and I was in a dark place because of work. And she's like, do you want to just bring your family over and have some drinks? And that was it. And then we spent literally every weekend with them for a year. Well, I think it was a lot of people say, yeah. and then you're like, are we allowed? Oh, We're not we allowed to see each we other. It's it. like, it was, I mean, there was so much judgment too oh. about seeing people. But when you have three little kids, they got to work out some energy and it can't just be with mom and dad. So like having them to be like, go outside and play. Oh yeah. Go next door and get. I mean, the anxiety just thinking about COVID is like, I can feel it. Yes. I'm are, very happy to be beyond that season. Are, and we survived. Gosh. Are you a high anxiety person? By nature? I'm not really. I don't really struggle with anxiety. I struggle with stress, like work stress. Like I'll, I'm a terrible sleeper. I will be up like running through presentation decks in my head. It's so annoying. But I don't like, I don't get like the panic. Mm. Thank God. Because so many people do. So having such a, I want to call it a big job or a job that takes up so much of your space, which I yes. can relate to. Can. And being a mom and a wife. Yes. Do you, you know, how do you balance all of that? And like where 
where does it kind of hit a tipping point? Because, you know, your husband's working full time. Yes. You're working full time. And someone has to be doing like the traditional house stuff, which I know you have a nanny, but still. And you know that falls on mom. It, the invisible load. Now, unless is your real. husband is different, I, yeah. I, I think most of the time the expectation is that you're going to be handling this and that yep. and that. You know what? We have spent a lot of time in therapy <laughs> and outside of therapy talking about the business of running our house because that is real. And I look all the time at some of my male counterparts who have these amazing stay at home wives or my friends who stay at home, and they are all over it. Their room mom, their houses are perfect. They're planning the play dates. They've got dinner on the table every single night. And I like look at our life and I'm, we are a mess. We cannot compete. Um, but without, I would say, having that plan for running the house and dividing up labor, we would never still be married. But I do think my husband is amazing at number one, supporting me in this career and starting this business when I was 26 and had zero business starting a business. And two, saying we're not going to have traditional gender roles in our marriage. Like uh, he cooks. He does 50% of absolutely everything. He is an amazing partner when it comes to dividing up the working of the household. You have to have that. Have I mean, to. I would say my husband's <laughs> 85%. Wow. I mean, I, he does everything. Yeah. He does laundry. He cooks. He do, I mean, he, he does a lot. That is a honestly lot. my fantasy is to get to the point where we're both comfortable with, I think he would stay, stay at home. I think he would genuinely yeah. Brady, thrive oh, yeah. and would like it. Mm-hmm. And I would love to get to that point, but he's got a big job and he loves to work too. Yeah. So. So you're hot. You're so nice. And Just tell me more. I mean, you're hot <laughs> and you're confident. I mean, I could see you back like when you were working in like the big agency yes. days and you were young. Yes. Like what was your experience like in that world? Especially I feel like, what was it? 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. The world was very different in terms of how. Yeah. People behaved the world and how you, were, how you were treated, right? Yes. So did you have any sort of things that happened back then that kind of, you know, imprinted you when you moved on to build this business? A hundred percent. Yes. I think that was a, I think the decade of like 21 to 31 is the most challenging and transformational part of a person's life. First of all, I came out of college, like I feel college is a bubble that is unreal and it's like fun land and you are protected and there's no consequences and you're just, you know, out there doing your own thing, completely ill prepared, or at least I was for the real world. So when I left college, I moved to Chicago. I took a very big job at an agency, one of the biggest agencies in the world and had zero clue what it was like to be an adult. Zero clue. I worked my I've always had a really strong work ethic. So I worked really hard and I worked a lot and I had a very competitive job, but I played very, very hard as well and and made a lot of mistakes along the way. And and that time, big agency was tough. It was tough to be young and blonde and trying to understand is this what I need to do to climb the corporate ladder? And I do feel like I was put in difficult situations a number of times 
not just in big agency, even after starting approach, where I I was like, I thought in my head and I made a cognizant decision, I am going to build a, a culture where this doesn't happen. And that might be why I work with 95% women is because I have been in, in difficult situations. I remember early on starting approach, I was working with a pretty high profile celebrity and it was the worst job I have ever had. I was literally brought in to clean up his messes, essentially, and would get calls at three o'clock in the morning and incoherent texts and tasked with doing things that were literally impossible. I was like, I'm 30 years old. I don't know how to get this video off the internet. And by the way, that's not what I do. Like, that's not what you're paying me here for. Um, so I do think that it was formative for me, not just to, you know, kind of come, come of age in the big agency, but also to be put in difficult situations early on that made me question my values, ethics in business, and what kind of culture I wanted to build as I was starting approach. Because you you have a say in that, right? You have a say in, you know, what our values are as a company and who we're going to hire and, you know, which clients we're going to work with and being able to say no because I, I don't, you know, believe in that or I don't want to work in that environment. Um, and, yes, very Me Too-esque, um, but also just you know, navigating being a young professional is hard. There's no manual to that. And I just I do feel I felt ill-equipped coming out of college. We're all ill-equipped. Did you feel like that? Like, I'm still ill-equipped. I'm still looking yes. around going, you know, where, yes. where's the manual? Because the manual? as soon as you figure out, like as soon as like, you've built the process, yes. the universe is like, all right, let's let's plot twist this one. 100%. There's something new. Now you have to build another manual. Yes. So it's like I just have learned to kind of do what I can. Yes. You know, hang on loosely, Megan. I just hang on loosely. I like by thread. <laughs> so I said about this year. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to tiptoe into 2024. I'm not going to make any big proclamations. proclamations. I'm just going to ease in, <laughs> not ruffle any feathers. It's going to be a good year. The soft landing is coming. <laughs> we are hanging on sometimes. Do you feel like you have to... Um, do you struggle to be present sometimes? So when you're with your kids, so like you've, you've worked mm -hmm. all day yeah, and now it's kid time Ugh, and that it's is so hard and it's very different, but you still have, like, I'm, I'm, and I'm just projecting my experience. Yes. So you tell me where this yes. is right and where it's not. So I still have like 12 things that need done because you don't have a job where it's like, right. okay, you punch in, you punch out, you don't think. No. So you're constantly sort of yes. tying up loose ends. So you're battling with yourself. You're like, yeah. okay, right now, Dane really wants you to build a fort yes. or he wants to do the marble run, right? Yes. And, and you've got the, so do you struggle with being present? Like, yes. is it a muscle you feel like you constantly have to try to build? A hundred percent. You know what? I feel like the biggest hypocrite sometimes because I'm like, no screens, no YouTube, except on Saturday mornings from nine to 10 when mom <laughs> wants to sleep in. No YouTube. And then I'm on my phone. Got to take this again, tying things up, answering late night emails in a crisis situation. There's no nine to five. You're working until that person wants to go to bed. Um, yes, it is hard. I think the transition from work to home and parenting is hard regardless. 
I think when you work from home, so I have a studio at home and I, we built a carriage house so that I could be close. I actually think it's even harder because you don't have that like drive home decompression time. You're literally on with a client and then on with your five-year-old who wants to play sleeping queens and be all over you. It's, it's, that's tough. It is tough. It is. And it's like, because it's such a blessing and such a gift, yes. you know, especially if you struggled to yes. have, you know, so, and then you're like, how am I not like, you know, I, I picture oh my motherhood is this, like, I'm like, Carrie, just be graceful and, you know, patient <laughs> and kind and read a book. And, and I'm like, Dad! no, <laughs> I find myself with my kids, like having to have activities that, that I know I can thrive in. Like I love to bake. I think because I'm, I'm kind of exacting, like I love getting the measurements exactly right. And so that's a fun mom thing. Like I am willing to mess up the kitchen, no problem, to bake cookies with my kids or make someone, one of their friends a birthday cake or drop off treats to someone who's having a bad week because I actually can be doing something fun with them that I enjoy that's not like playing. I'm a terrible player. I think you just hit the nail on the head for me because I, yeah. I, I, that's exactly what I say is yes. I have to find things and that's so selfish. I, I mean, what the hell? God, you're the worst. I, I have to, right, I have to find things I like doing and yes. baking happens to be one of them yeah. that I, so we go to the store, we'll totally. pick out the flavor, Love we'll that. hand it out to the, the neighbor across the street yes. or next door. Yep. And we're doing these science experiments now where you can use like food coloring and baking. We're doing that tonight. It's fun. We're you're a fun mom. Well, until I'm not, you know, I I try to be, I really, really do. We we ski together. We're going skiing Sunday. Big skier as well. I'm a terrible skier, but I'm trying to get, you know, I just want him to be able to do it. So yeah, you have to find something that you're interested in. Otherwise it feels like torture. It does. It feels like torture. And if I'm not, I'm not a good faker. I'm not either. With my kids in particular. So like, I, I don't know, like you're spot on. You have to find the things that you do well and invite them along the, you know, on the journey. Now, were you very planned out? Like when you got married, you're like, okay, now we're going to have three kids and then you get pregnant right away and everything goes great. Like, were you like a textbook? Not really. I got married. First of all, I dated my husband for like one second before we got engaged. And I was a child bride. I say all the time. We, I met him and it was like, boom, I want, I knew, I knew that I wanted to marry him. And we literally dated for maybe six months and got engaged. So I did not want to have kids right away. I was much more like, should probably get to know each other. How old were you when you I got married? 25. Oh, yeah. You're a babe. 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 And um, so we took some time before we had kids, which was, I, I'm so thankful for that, that period in my life where you just had only yourself to worry about. Sometimes I'm like, what did I do? I worked out at night sometimes. I cooked dinner. I ate sitting down. It's crazy to me to think about that period. And then he, my husband's older and he very much wanted to start having kids. And it took me a little bit of convincing. I always knew I wanted family and I thought I wanted a big family, four or five kids. Um, And then I had my daughter when I was 28 or 29. And then we struggled to get pregnant with our second. Um, and so we, we have kind of a gap between my daughter, who's almost 12, and my son, who's seven. We had miscar- a couple of miscarriages. And I thought maybe we'd have one or we'd adopt or do something else. And then 
worked with actually Dr. Shepard, who you know. Shep dog. Love She's her. the common thread to so many vaginas. She is. It, and I, she delivered all of my babies. Who has their OB deliver all their babies? I did. I'm telling you, Shep dog is the And queen. she got me through some tough, tough times. And when I saw her on your show, I was like, oh, of course they're friends. Mm -hmm. You see her and you're just like. <laughs> no, she's literally the best. She is the best. She is the best. Um, so then we ended up having our boys like pretty then in short order because at that point my husband was like, if we're going for three, we got to go now because I'm getting old. Well, he's not too old. He's out partying no, in the. He's not. He's not too old. He, I, give him, I give him crap about being older, but he's really not that old. You said that you travel like every month. Let's talk about this. I try to not be in Columbus every month. Really? So okay, I love Columbus. Give, no, I know. I, I, but I, no, I get it. But mm -hmm. give me the, give me sort of your schedule. Like what's your schedule for the schedule. next like four months? Where are you going? What are you doing? So I can just live vicariously through you. I love you. it. So actually in two weeks, I'm going on a, to St. Lucia for a week. Very much looking forward to that. We actually have a little investment property in, on St. Simon's Island which is off the coast of Georgia, that we, I was in a weird place in COVID, if you didn't get that from the interview earlier. Right. I decided I was going to build a house in Georgia. So we have that, that place that we're going to go to in March. I'm sure we'll go somewhere in April. We're planning a big trip to Japan right now. Really? The whole family? No, just my husband Just the two of you? Yes. When are you doing this? We're, I think we're going to go at the end of the summer. So Can whose idea be? was like, well, did you guys like, were you drunk and you like put like st stuff in a hat and you're like, let's go, let's go to, how do you decide so on the location? I have a big birthday coming up. And we're going to Italy for my 40th next year. And we were just in Europe last year. And we we're kind of thinking about maybe going to France for like our, we tried to do a week, just the two of us, like a big trip, just the two of us every year. So we were going to do that. And he was like, we are more exciting than this like we can't just go to the same places over and over again and so he's like let's go somewhere else let's like let's go to japan and so we're like, okay but now we're going to japan so what's on the docket i love japanese food love it i actually just had what i keep claiming is the best meal of my life which is really saying something in chicago at a new japanese restaurant called miru if you're in chicago highly recommend just like sushi and rice, meat, mm. dish, it, like all that is my jam. So I'm going to eat a lot. I hear the shopping is amazing. I hear the spas are really great. Did you watch Shit's Creek? Yeah. I mean, I love mm -hmm. that show mm -hmm. so much. Um, and Dan Levy loves Japan and like talks about it all the time on his Instagram. So I'm basically just going to do whatever he did. He's so cute. Because I feel like we'd be friends. He's so cute. He's really, I think he's so handsome. Really handsome. I think so too. And what's funny is I don't do sitcoms. Yeah. And everybody, everybody was asking me. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this show. And my yes. dad, even my dad, and I was like, how did they like convince my dad? Because it's crazy. Well, then I watched it and I saw so <laughs> the dynamics funny. and the characters, and I was just yes. like a hook, line, and me sinker. Too. I loved that, and it was like the kind of television I like, which is light. Mm -hmm. I like my husband loves True Detective. Do you watch that? No, I only watch like the I watch. Well, that's real, right? Is but, True Detective no, real? No, it's like on HBO. No, it's like there's a different crime. They just started a new season. I'm into Dateline, 48 Hours. Like I'm a I'm a heavy hitter See, murder I like, mystery like, girl. Light. You need to watch True Detective. I, I'm season one is epic. Okay. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, if he's in it, yeah, I probably would oh watch that. Oh my gosh, that. it will haunt you. Good. 
You, that's okay. what I, that's what I like. To, it's really is, weird. They're going to be your big takeaway okay. is you're going to watch the show. All right. I'm more of like, like, I feel like there's so, I'm so intense all day that when my kids are in bed and I put TV on, I want it to be like mindless. Now, mind you, I will mix this in with The Real Housewives. <laughs> totally. I'm obsessed with The Real totally. Housewives. Did you get into Salt Lake City? No, it's shocking to me that I didn't because I feel like I follow every Salt Lake City influencer on the planet and I didn't watch but it's on it's on my radar I just haven't I'm maybe saving that for like a long trip I'll binge it well it got really good yeah so I, I, I would have given I them like the a finale four. was like a <laughs> yeah I would have given them a four on a scale yes. of one to ten. Like that would be yeah. one that I would kind of turn on and off. Totally. But then when they had like, what is it? Reality Vaughn, whatever that yes. fake, it was, they took it up a notch. Epic. I heard Epic at the end. It was So really it's good. on my radar. Yeah, totally. I'll go there. That's the kind of TV I watch. It's really bad. Really bad television. I love it. All right. Let's circle back around to approach before we, yes. before we go. Okay. So who's your ideal, who's your ideal client out there? And so, how do you guys, how do you market yourself I think we are absolutely best at working with executives. So executive visibility is our jam. And that looks like a lot of different things. It looks like coming in and working with a CEO that doesn't have, um, you know, a big online presence. They're not in the media. They're not putting content out. They're not speaking on the stages that they want to be speaking on. We're really, really good at putting executives on the map. Great at it. And then on the flip side and our more consumer work is going to be your traditional PR. And that's influencer engagement social media, media relations. And we get to work with, that's the fun stuff where we're working with like Crate and Barrel where they're influencer agency of record, where we're managing, you know, all of their big partnerships. And then we're, you know, putting digital ads behind that content. It's, it's fun because it's all so different. And, you know, you're either doing a crisis or you're working with a, a high profile executive to put out content or you're, you know, helping Crate and Barrel sell kitchen islands. It's something different every single day. And that's why agency is cool. I always say to people who are marketing grads who want to like talk and understand like what path to go down, go to the agency because you're going to get a little taste of everything under the marketing umbrella. And then you can figure out what you really like mm -hmm. and you're good at. So that is us. And now are you out there fit? Like I, I, does most things come to you now at this point because you're so credible and you've been around for so long? So we do get a lot of business on referral, but I always say to my team, you can't grow just on referral. Yeah. It, that doesn't work. Like you, there is a, a new business game and that involves being out there and meeting people and talking about your work and for, you know, our sales team pounding the pavement and making connections and making calls and, it's the least sexy part of business. Like no one likes to talk about sales, but it is integral to growing a business. And I actually love sales. I would say 70% of what I do is business development because I like coming in and saying like, okay, Carrie, like what, is your, what are your challenges? Like why, are, why is business slow or why is this location underperforming or who is the target audience that is choosing someone else over you? Because that's where the creativity comes you know, in and we can say here would be something fun to try. Let's you know, do this off the wall campaign or this stunt or, you know, this ad buy to, to solve that problem. I like that stuff. Yeah. I wonder if I'll get you like two leads. I wonder how this will convert. Oh my, I, my goal is to, to, for you to get about for two to five leads from this. God, that's my goal too. If you do that, I'll be out here every week. Oh. Gross. Tell, you come back. I'll you can tell be you the celebrity stories, the, the, All right. the crazy, the crazy stories. All right. We can work something out. We can work out a trade. I love it. You tell, I bring you executives. It's like that show where they eat the food. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'll bring you crusty old executives that don't know what's <laughs> what's uh what's Instagram. I love crusty old executives. That's my jam. <laughs> Any crusty old executives out there? Bring it. <laughs> Megan, it's so funny. This Carrie. has been this has been a blast. This is fun. It's almost coming up on an hour. It's like and look, four, it it's just like, went like that. It did because it was just, you know, when you get somebody in the seat and you start to kind of vibe, it just works. You're very easy to talk to. Well, thank you. So are you. Thanks. Where can people find you specifically? They can find me just at Megan Troy across all the channels. Yeah. Troy's hard. S-H-R-O-I. Megan Troy. My maiden name was Jackson. Really? That was easier, huh? Really? Yeah, it was a big. Troy's not terrible. Yeah. So at Megan Troy or okay. at Approach approachmarketing.com you got it all right girl well thank you so much i appreciate you you. having me and if you're still out there following your girl follow me on youtube spotify apple or wherever you get your podcasts and until next time keep moving baby i love it (laughs) you're so good at it